This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. New content will be available every week throughout 2015. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. Second Chronicles. Excuse me, I'm just trying to fix this mic. Just got big ears, so it doesn't fit that well. Second Chronicles chapter 7, please. I don't expect to be long tonight because I know it's warm, but I think most preachers say that, don't they? <laughs> but I just want to, you know, bring you to a familiar verse in this chapter. Um, and it's a, it's a verse that sort of rolled about in my head for maybe the last six months. And, and just, um, I've shared some bits of it in pieces in, in our cell group, but I just felt this week that the Lord just put it in my heart to, to share it tonight with you. And as I say, it's a familiar verse, and it's found in verse 14. And we have quoted this verse time and time again, and in this church, and I'm sure you have heard it in other churches during prayer meetings and maybe in meetings. But just it came afresh to me just, just this week. And some things I just want to share with us tonight. And verse 14 says, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. And I don't want you to switch off at this point because it's a familiar verse. Um, sometimes we can do that. Sometimes, well I, well, I know what that verse says. But I've been encouraged this week and challenged this week, and I want to bring that challenge to us tonight, that we not just read it and know what it says, but we listen to what it says and act accordingly. Because sometimes we read verses that we're familiar with and we just verbatim can quote them, tell you scripture and chapter and verse of where they find, it's where it's found. But I, I was brought to my attention just exactly what is this verse saying? What is God actually saying to his people here in Chronicles at this time during the reign of Solomon and it's for future? But also, what is he saying to us today? Because this scripture applies to us today. We want to see revival in this land. If there's any Christian worth their salt, you want to see revival. You want to see God's plan, God's will, God's presence move among the people of this land, both within the church and within our communities. We want to see God move in our families we want to see them born again of the Spirit of God. We want to see them washed clean in the blood of the Lamb. You know, we read about old revivals, 1859, and I, I like reading about revival because it really, really encourages me. And I'm sure some of you have read about them and encourages you. And it's good to do that. But I believe God wants to give us revival today, in our age, in our time, in our generation. And I just don't say that lightly. I believe God wants to give us revival. But this verse is a challenge to us. But it's also a promise to us. 
And I just want to just look at it as it came to me and just try and open up a few things of what it is actually saying. Because there is challenges in it. And we want to hear them tonight as the Spirit leads and as the Spirit speaks. If my people call by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. You know, your doors in the house swing on the hinges. And sometimes you look at those hinges and you think, are they strong enough? Especially when you ever go to the old houses and the doors are three or four inches thick and they're swinging on a small hinge. And I want to bring you to the first word of this verse because I believe this verse swings on this small hinge, on the hinge of this word. If, if, that's a small word, but it has great meaning in regards to this verse. If, what does that tell us? What is God saying to us by using the word if? The promise of this verse is conditional. It's conditional. Now, revival is a sovereign work of God, where God comes and he moves. We can't make revival happen. We can't bring revival. But only God can bring revival. But... If we look at this verse, there are conditions that we can meet that God can bring revival and God can send revival to this land and into our lives and into our families' lives and into this country. If is a word of condition. If my people. Duncan Campbell was used in 1949 in the Hebrides revival. And that's what he said. He says, we don't bring revival, but we can meet the conditions where God can send revival. If my people, it's conditional. Just the smallest little word. And that's why I want us to look deeply at this verse. It's not just glossing over it. God's saying, if my people. It's a great challenge from such a small word. The promise of this whole verse hinges on that one word. And that challenges to you and to I, who know the Lord is our God and our Savior. God says, if, you know, if anyone else had said this, if we could say, listen, I can't put my full weight on this verse, and I can't put my full weight on this promise. But God has spoken this word. And God has spoken this promise. And we can put our full weight on his word. The promises of this word hinges on the small word, if. I believe it's God's desire to move. It's God's desire to bring revival, to bring restoration to his church and to this land. But he says to us, if. And when God says if to us, as he said if to his people back then, he's put the ball, as Wimbledon's on this week, he's put the ball securely in our court. 
He has put the ball in our court. If he's thrown the gauntlet down to us, he says it's your move. I was looking for more idioms I could use. The ball's in your court. He's thrown the gauntlet down. It's your move. The power is in your hands. Do we realize tonight what God has said to us from one simple word? If the ball is in your court, it is in the church, in the, the court of the church tonight. If if is a conditional clause. God says if. Now let me challenge you tonight. He didn't say, if my people can. If my people will. If my people will. You may turn around tonight and say, well, who am I? You may turn around tonight and say, I can't do this. I can't. But the word if is not a challenge to our, to the, to our ability. The word if is a challenge to our will. God's doesn't, he's not looking for our ability. He's looking for our will. The word if is a challenge to our will. If, if, if. And I may be laboring that point, but I want you to see it tonight. If you and I will, God will take care of the ability. But he's speaking to our wills tonight. And I want us to see that tonight. That God is saying, if. But when God says, if to us, it means it is possible. It is possible. So don't switch off tonight and say, I can't. You can. I can. Because God has challenged us with an if. He goes on to say, if my people call by my name. My people. Do you know what I was thinking? Isn't it sad that God has to ask his people? That God has to ask his people. When we think about what God has done for us, when we think in these days when God reminded the people of Israel where he had brought them from, where he had brought them out of slavery in Egypt, where he had brought them through the Red Sea, he had brought all the plagues, he had judged the Egyptians, he brought them through the wilderness for 40 years, and then he brought them into the land. Isn't it sad that God has to ask his people to do these things? And we look at ourselves tonight, born again of God's Spirit, washed clean in the blood of the Lamb, and God is asking us, if, tonight. But I want to thank God that he does ask us tonight, that even in spite of ourselves and where we stand and the, 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 where we are with him, he still wants to come and meet his people. And he still wants to come and forgive his people. And he still wants to come and heal his people's land. I thank God tonight that he does.
It's sad that he has to, but I thank God that he does. God's people's history was one of repeating the same mistakes. Judges and Kings and Samuel and Chronicles and on through the whole of the Old Testament into the New Testament. You can read it for yourself. And it's not pretty reading because we're no different. Because there's times when we don't listen to him and we repeat the same mistakes one after another. Do we realize tonight, this is a simple thing, do we realize tonight that we belong to God? We belong to God. He has bought us and we belong to him. It's sad that he has to ask us, but he has every right to ask us. But I'm glad he does ask us because he wants to move again. My people called. You are called tonight. You and I are called tonight. I know you're going to turn around and say, I can't do this and I can't do that. You know, the amount of times we hear that, and the amount of times we hear that coming out of our own mouths, I can't do this. Lord, that's too tough for me. But listen, we need to realize tonight that we are called. We are a called out people. And we are called onto great things. We are called to be kings and priests onto our God. Sometimes when we hear called or we have a calling, we start looking around the room and we start looking at other people and we start to say, well, look, they're called. Look at the abilities they've got. They're called. Certainly they're called. And we're sitting looking at everybody else. And God wants us to look at ourselves and to acknowledge that we are called. He has called every one of us in this room tonight that is born again of his spirit. He has called us to great things. My people called. You're called tonight. You are called. Don't deny it. Don't let the enemy steal your calling. Don't let him say that you can't do this and you can't do that. God's just asking us, are we willing? He'll look after the ability. He'll look after the power that's needed. He'll look after the, the wisdom that's needed. He'll look after all the details. But he's saying to you tonight, you are called. You're my people and you are called. You notice he didn't turn around, his, he, he didn't say to the, his, to, the, to the nations around, he said, you're all called. He says, my people. And a lot of people, and sometimes sadly, even within the church, are looking to the government to solve all the problems. They're looking to the UN to solve the world's problems. You know, you look in Greece tonight, or they're voting to leave Europe or whatever. It's a mess. It's a mess. Europe's a mess. You look around the world, Middle East, it's a mess. It's not going to be solved by a man. It's not going to be solved by a government. God calls his people. His people. And it's only his people.
my people called by my name. Do you know that the church is the answer? Well, let me put it another way. The gospel is the answer. But we are the people commissioned to take the gospel to the world. That's why God sends my people. He doesn't say, call the government. If the UN does this, if the government does this, he says, if my people. You are the answer. So even pastors preach at different times. You're the answer. You're the answer to the world. I'm the answer to the world because we have the truth and it's the truth that sets men free. My people called by my name. You know, we sung tonight, your name is the only name that matters. Jesus, just that name. Is it just that name? That's the only hope for this world is Jesus because there's no other name by which men can be saved. And we carry that name, God's people. And what does he say? If my people do what? If my people do what? Humble themselves and pray. Humble themselves and pray. First Peter says, and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. If there's anything that the church needs, if there's anything as we as individuals need, we need the grace of God. We need the power of God working in and through our lives. Humble themselves. Again, that's an if question. If you humble humble yourself, we're going to experience God's resisting or we're going to experience God's grace. But this is what this verse is saying and... uh, This is where it's deeper than just reading it. I want to experience God's grace. You want to experience God's grace. Humility brings God's grace. And pride brings resistance. One God honors and one God resists. He honors humility. God wants to do it. Humble themselves and pray. If he's asking them to humble in these people here, then automatically he's pointing his finger at pride. Humble people, or sorry, prideful people, stop praying. Because that's why he says humble themselves and pray. A prideful person is a person that has stopped praying. Or a prideful person is a person who prays, but not according to God's, for God's glory and for God's honor. You know the story in Luke 18, parable that Jesus told. He says, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee standing by himself prayed, thus God, I thank you that I am not like other men, 
extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down, down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Two men and two very different prayers. One God honored and one God resisted. Humble people pray that brings glory and honor to God. A prideful person stops praying or prays the prayers that God doesn't hear anymore. Humble themselves to pray. Humble themselves to pray. Pride is what? Self-sufficiency. Self-sufficiency. Because the person who is self-sufficient is really not relying on God. They're not getting on their knees and saying, God, be with me. God, give me your grace. Like this man here, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. They're praying, thank you, Lord, for all the blessings you've given me. And they're, they're living in the pride of them. They've put the gift ahead of God. They're self-sufficient. They that are self-sufficient make God a last resort. Let's be honest, there's times sometimes we, we, we go out and we do things and then we get to the end of ourselves and we think, maybe I should pray. Maybe I should pray. Maybe our first thought should be, maybe I should pray. Let's take this to God in prayer. And I have to point the finger at myself too in that. As much as I'm pointing at you. There's times I'm halfway down the road and thinking, I didn't even consult God about that. And you're the same. But the humble put their trust in God. Some trust in horses, some in chariots. But we will put our trust in the name of the Lord. Jesus said to the rich, for the rich man, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Why? He was self-sufficient. He had no need of God. Riches was his treasure. Riches was his heaven. There's no place for self-sufficiency. There's no place for self-sufficiency with God. We are to humble ourselves to pray. In 2 Chronicles, God's people, they put their trust in Egypt. They put their trust in Ethiopia. They put their trusts in alliances of all the nations around them. And God basically says, why did you not come to me? Because I am your strength. I am your shield. I am the one who will go before you. But they walked away from God. Why? Self-sufficiency. God wants us to humble ourselves and pray. Really what you notice about humble people, they're desperate. They're desperate people. 
And that doesn't mean they're always in a predicament. I don't mean it that way. But they're desperate for the presence of God. They're desperate for the favor of God. They're desperate for God because they have a relationship with him and they want to be in the midst of that relationship. Read about King David. Read the Psalms. He loved to be in the presence of God. He was desperate for the presence of God. And he humbled himself to pray. Prayer was always on King David's lips. Prayer should always be on our lips. Let us humble ourselves to pray. What do you pray? What do you pray? What did King David pray? King David prayed in Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. King James put any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Only a humble man can pray this prayer. Only a humble man can pray this prayer. Search me, O God. Because what he has done, he has opened himself up to God. King David just didn't do an exercise and I'm going to ask God to search me just because it's the right thing to do. King David said, search me because it was the intention of his heart to be searched by God. And if God found any wicked ways in his his heart, he was going to turn from them. And he was asking God to lead him in the way that was everlasting. Unlike the prideful man, the psalmist's prayer is one of reliance. He's relying upon God. He's not searching himself. He's not justifying himself. Listen, let's be honest. We look at ourselves. This is why the Spirit of God has to do it. You know, we've done door-to-door work in the past. And you ask most people, are you a good person? Most people, well, I'm not too bad. I'm all right. I'm not as bad as your man down the road. I'm not as bad as your woman over there. That's us searching ourselves. We'll always find the best in ourselves. We'll always look for the best in ourselves. But we let God search us. Because God wants to set us free from those wicked ways. So that he can bless us. So that he can bring us into freedom. King David didn't search himself. He didn't justify himself. Every area of his life, he says, God, search it. He opened himself up. God, I want in this life what you want. If there's anything in me that you don't want, then help me get it out. Because I want to walk in the way that is everlasting. He said, search my heart and know my thoughts. The depths, get into the depths. Listen, when we are out in public and we're out here among one another, are we the same when we're at home? Is our hidden life the same as our outward life? Let God search us. Because he wants to lead us in the way that is everlasting. Try me and know me. Try me and know me, God. What a frightening prayer. 
But it's only a frightening prayer to the flesh man, to the prideful man, to the humble man. It's a prayer of freedom. God, search me. Try me and know me. David wanted to be set free from hidden sin. Sin that he couldn't even know, didn't even know he had in himself. He said, God expose it and lead me in the way that is everlasting. The psalmist prayed and he humbled himself to pray. He relied on God and he says, God, you have your will and your way in my life. King David, in a way, heard that challenge from God, if, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Listen, I hope you can see the continuance of that verse. My people humble themselves, pray and turn there's the challenge of that prayer, of that, that, that verse. Lord, help me to turn from my wicked ways. That's the first part of that verse. And it is a challenging verse. And many a time, as I say, and I've prayed it myself, but I have found the challenge of it, that there's stuff to do. Something needs to be done. Listen, let's be honest, in our own lives, do we have the power of God? Do we search our lives? Do we ask God to search our lives? Or do we know that there's things in there that God's not pleased with and God's not happy with? I'm not trying to put a, a guilt trip on you because God wants to take that out and set us in the way that is everlasting. He wants to take us from that to freedom. Jesus says he's come to set the captive free. That's from everything. But the challenge of the verse is, and the challenge I believe from God is, is if, if we need the power of God, our country, our land needs revival. It needs revival. But I want to thank God that that's what he promises if the conditions are met. Because he goes on to say, ah, then, 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 not before, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. That's why I said, if anyone else had said this, we could doubt it. But look what God wants to do. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. I want to share some things from the second part of that verse, but not tonight. In two weeks' time, Sunday night, I want to concentrate on the, on the last part of that verse of how God 
comes and brings revival and brings healing and forgiveness to a land. I want to share some things in two weeks' time that will encourage us. I say that tonight because the first part of the verse is encouraging, depending on what way you look at it. God wants to set us free. He wants to set us free. God never challenges us to beat us up. He challenges us to walk in holiness and to have greater blessing in our lives. But the if part comes first. Then. In two weeks' time, I want to share then about what God really wants to do and can do in and through our lives, in our families, in our friends, and in our land. I was challenged with this verse. It's not about reading it. There's actions required. It all swings on if. I hope we'll feel the challenge that I know I do. But in two weeks' time, I want, us, I want us to look and see what God really wants to do in our lives and in our land. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I want to thank you for your word tonight. Lord, I want to thank you for your heart tonight. Because, Lord, you want to touch our lives afresh. You want us, Lord, to walk in greater and deeper blessing that only comes from you. Lord, I believe that's why you bring the challenge to us from your word tonight. Because you want to bring greater blessing. You want to pour out your spirit upon us. You want to set the captive free. You want those that are chained, those chains to be broken. Lord, we can think of a dozen people, even tonight, every one of us, of someone who needs set free, who needs their chains broken, who needs a touch from God Almighty, who needs to know that you are Lord and Savior. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would convict us And Lord, that we would see the challenge of that word. And that, Lord, that we would ask yourself to search us. Lord, I want you to search me. Lord, I ask you that you would search your people. And Lord, that we would experience great blessing. And you would lead us in that everlasting way. Lord, we just acknowledge tonight that you are our Lord and our God and that we need you. We need you, Lord. Lord, we need you, Lord. Lord, we look at our TV screens, we read our papers, Lord. Lord, we need you. Lord, because we want to be full of your spirit, bringing glory and honor onto you. Lord, we want to be your people called by your name. What a privilege, Lord, you have given us. What a position that you have given us, that you have put your name upon us. Lord, touch your people tonight. 
Minister to your people tonight. Lord, I just know, Lord, that you want to bless them. You want to bless them mightily, Lord God. Lord, we just give you the glory and the honor for who you are, for what you're doing. And Lord, we look forward to what you're going to do. For the glory and the honor of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can also watch the Sermon of the Month video at youtube.com forward slash Moira Pentecostal or download the sermon video through our iTunes video podcast. For more information, visit us at www.mpc.org.uk. Thank you.